Hey everybody, what's going on? My name is Jesse Rivera and I am your host for another episode of Comic Talk, the podcast. And this week on Comic Talk, the podcast, I sit down and I speak to a very good friend of mine, Mr. Marcus Mangum. Yes, give it up, Mr. Marcus Mangum. was very kind enough to come by the podcast studio a couple days ago. We chatted about lots of things, and the first thing I wanted to do was thank him for always uh, looking out for me, always giving me advice, and giving me a couple of guest spots very, very early in the early, early months of my open mic adventures. Uh, he believed in me, and he gave me a couple of guest spots, and I have always been grateful for that. So he came by the podcast, and he talked about a show that <clears throat> he is going to be doing this Saturday at the Sacramento Comedy Spot called Marcus Mangum Presents Diversity. It's a really cool show. I've had a guest spot on this show before. Uh, this show will feature uh, Brooke Heineken, uh, Robert Amoto, and the headliner will be Kyrie Shabazz. Kyrie, he's hilarious, man. I saw him just last night, and he's great. Uh, Marcus is amazing, and he is doing all kinds of great things. He actually just took a huge leap of faith, and he quit his day job and is now pursuing comedy full-time. Well, he still has a side job, but he's out there, and now he's doing it, and he's going full tilt, and I wish him the best of luck. But then again, I've always said, there's people in this world that they don't need luck. They just work hard, and they create their own luck. Marcus is one of those guys. So if you're not at the telenovela variety show on Saturday, December the 14th at 8 p.m., then you really should be at Marcus Mangum Presents Diversity. And if you're not there, you should be somewhere in your hometown supporting local artists, supporting local music, poetry, art, slam dance, slam poetry, yardcore, anything. Just get out there and support the people in your community who are trying to create, who are trying to make a difference, and that's what you need to do. There, I will get off my soapbox. So, like I said, this Saturday, Marcus Mangum Presents Diversity at the Sacramento Comedy Spot. Also, this Saturday at Luna's Cafe, that's my dog. You hear my dog barking? She's got, she's got this block on lock. You hear that? Yeah, that's just somebody walking by. She's letting them have it. Anyway, enough about my dog. Saturday, Luna's Cafe, the telenovela variety hour. Well, variety show, because it's more than an hour. Saturday, Luna's Cafe, the telenovela variety show with Janae Lovering, Emily Peterson, our headliner, Emma Haney, and then telenovela will do a brand new improvised soap opera for you based on an audience suggestion of a location and an emotion. The last time we were at Luna's, we had a ton of laughs, and we hope to repeat that this Saturday night. Luna's Cafe. If you're not at Luna's, then be at the Sacramento Comedy Spot. All right. Peace. I'm out of here. How's it sound? I think it sounds good. All right. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. What's going on, Jesse? Nothing, man. Um, dude, just straight up from the very beginning, thank you for being here, but also for like all the encouragement and the the guest spots that you've given me. I've only been doing this like 14 months, and mm-hmm. um, in the beginning, I was kind of going hard and I was kind of trying to find shows, but um, now I'm just like kind of like focusing on yes, still going up and still trying to get on a handful of shows, but like. I've got the podcast now and I'm like producing telenovela now too, but you were, you were very encouraging and you offered me a couple of guest spots at times when I really, really 
needed somebody to say, no, keep doing it, you yeah, know? Yeah. So uh, from the very beginning, I just want to say thanks. And uh, thanks for coming on, man. How are you? I'm good. And no problem with the guest spots or whatever. Honestly, I just, you know, I go to these open mics and I appreciate people that put in the work. There's a lot of people that just show up to these open mics and they just want to show off for their friends or they just want to be able to tell somebody they're a comedian. And mm-hmm. I know how hard it was for me when I was serious about it first starting and I couldn't get any stage time. It didn't matter if I was better than somebody. It, that might have been their best friend, so I couldn't get on the show. Exactly, right? So I like to give people that actually have talent at least the opportunity to find out if you want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be like, yeah, I want to do this at open mic. But once you actually get on that stage and get a reaction or don't get a reaction, that separates everybody. And so I want to give you a shot to see if you really want to do it. And you know what? Getting a reaction and not getting a reaction, <laughs> I'm noticing drives you equally. Like getting a reaction like makes you want to go back and not getting a reaction makes you want to go home, take it into the tool shed, take it apart, put yeah. it back together, try it out again, and then take it back. It's like uh, sometimes when I have a joke that I'm like, this this premise works, this premise works, but like, it just falls yeah. flat. <laughs> or something's missing. Yeah, something's You even missing. know it and you still might work it, but you're like, well, I got to figure it out. Yeah. You know, um, I had Johnny Taylor on the show the other day, and um, he started doing a lot of stuff, like, early on. Like, he was, he said he was in his first year, and he was getting headlining spots. And it seems like you're moving also at an accelerated pace because you're not you haven't been doing stand-up for a very long time, have you been? No, I'm right at two years. Right at two years, yeah. yeah. Like, yep. And to me, and just like watching you and uh, and watching your growth and, and seeing the acceleration of it, it seems to me like you, you took on a really big uh, spurt or like you accelerated really quickly. Uh, it was Maybe it was about a year or eight months ago when you were doing this uh, this competition. Was it at Rooster Tees? Yeah, um, I did a competition in Sunnyvale for Rooster Tea Feathers, and it was 150 comics in the competition. It's a Bay Area competition. So I just took a chance and went and ended up, I think, coming in, what, like third place, I think, the first time. It was no second place. So when you did that, you were maybe just over a year in? Yeah. It was maybe, what, maybe six months ago, something. Like, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago, but it really seems like it kind of, like, like shot you forward like yeah well i just kept advancing in the rounds and then i got to the finals where it was like the top 12 and i ended up coming in second out of the whole competition out of 150 so i was like well i really need to take this serious then (laughs) because it was like crowd reaction a lot of it and it was only me and my girl at the show and for me to come in second i was like okay well maybe i got right it wasn't like you it wasn't like five of your friends like two my co-workers yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah, so that's an when you're doing those types of competitions, so you're going up how many times, to- like uh, over the span of how many days or over the span of like how much? Like, See, that one was different because it's a, such a big competition. It was weekly. So I was having to drive back and forth to Sunnyvale. I think it ended up being four rounds. So we had to drive down there four times back and forth. But it was every other week. So all together, it took like a month and a half or something to get it done. So when you're doing that, this is kind of what the question I was, I was going to get at is like, so when you're doing that, are you feeling pressure to write new material for the following week? Or are you just honing that set that you did the, the previous week? Um, to be honest, I talked to some of the previous winners of it and asked them how they approached it. Like I talked to Mikey Winfield, I talked to Kyrie, and I asked them, 
um, just how did they do it? And their advice was stick with what's working because pretty much everybody else is doing it. But I'll be honest, I stuck with, I stuck with my set the whole time until the final round because I just felt like I think I came in third that last round and I was like, I barely made the cut. Like maybe I need to switch something. Okay. And then I just said, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. So I switched everything in the finals and I ended up coming in second. So in the finals, how much, how much time are you getting in the finals? Uh, I think seven minutes, seven minutes. So there's really it's is five, there, but then they give you a little, little leeway after that. Is there really any time to like bring in crowd work or are you just kind of not really? Like I did, I did a little bit that involved the crowd before it's actual crowd work. To be honest with a competition like that, you're wasting time. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, because crowd work can can be so hit and miss. Yeah, you know, if you don't get the reaction you want, you just wasted a minute. 30. You only got five. Now you got four to get them back and try to win this thing. Right. So yeah, that's great. I don't really do it. That's great. And then how did you? Um, um, tell me, man. I, I watch your stuff. Um, the the uh, a weekend you recently did in in Vegas, like you're you're just in Vegas, kind of looked like you're vacationing, and then all of a sudden you're getting up. <laughs> well, I did a weekend. Uh, Last Unlimited with Edwin San Juan. And me and my girl were going to Vegas, just happened to be going to Vegas. But before we left, you know, that last day, I talked to Edwin, and he was just like, hey, man, if you're down there, I'll give you some time. And he was like, yeah, I got my own residency at Planet Hollywood. Oh, shoot. So then I went down there, and he was like, yeah, just come on. Uh So I went down there, I think, on a Wednesday, and he gave me, like, um, 10 minutes. And he thought it was a good reaction, so he told me to come back the next day. So I did two nights at Planet Hollywood, and I definitely didn't expect that to happen, but I took it. And I'll be honest, that was one of the most nervous shows of my life, just because I told my girl, I said, it's cool to be local, but then in Vegas, it's people from all over. You about to find out right now if you funny. That's, to america that is absolutely right that is that is the world that's in vegas <laughs> yeah nobody at those shows are from vegas everybody's from somewhere else so if you're not funny you about to find out and they wouldn't get <laughs> well they asked you to come back the next night so yeah, it, luckily it obviously went good. and i'm not in a depressed mood telling you to go to hell over this podcast <laughs> <laughs> but you know what you bring up something that um i i know you and your girl talked to me about before is that you just gotta always be ready to go up like um and i and i noticed that a lot too like when i when i go to shows like there's comics there and they like they're there to watch but they're there like with like the with their best jokes ready to go and uh it's something that like i wasn't prepared because like i'm a fan of comedy you know and like i just enjoy it period and i know one night um buddy was doing a show right over here at carol's books mm-hmm. and that's right around the corner from me and i was like i'm gonna go watch this show because it's right around the corner from me i got hella high because i was like i'm just gonna get high and go watch this show you know and i i get down there and buddy's like a hey, I, I i wish i could do his voice because it's so it's so unique yeah. <laughs> right and he's like he's like hey hey you want you want to get up and i was like what and instinctually, just in defense, I was like, no. Like, that's what I wanted to say. I was like, no, I ain't doing shit, dude. <laughs> but, I like, and I also learned, like, you don't ever say no to stage time. Well, for the most part, you don't yeah. ever say no, you know. So it kind of put me on the spot. And I and I just, like, had to, like, so, luckily it was just weed. It wasn't, like, alcohol or something crazy yeah. like that. And, like, I just sobered up, went in my car and uh, <laughs> figured out what I was going to do and went back out there. But you always got to be ready, right? Yeah, I'll be honest. Like when I first started, 
I was kind of like you, like sometimes I'd be like, no, because I wasn't ready. Like I was legit just trying to hang out. Like I mm-hmm. don't want stage time. I'm actually studying like because I don't know what I'm doing with this whole open mic and when am I when should I work this joke or whatever. So I'm just trying to figure it out. But we would always go to Harry's Lounge when they had open mic and it would always be like, go up, go up, go up. So I was like, listen, if I'm going up here, I got to be ready because they're going to just bug me until I get up there. Yeah, it's like a comic thing. But then coming up in comedy period, you just learn these big time comics or even a big guy locally. He's going to throw you in the fire to find out what you got. That's why they do it. It happened to me. Lance Woods has did that to me several times, but it worked out my favor. But in the moment I was flipping out in my head like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's like I, I said before, um, one time I was going to Cobbs and we're maybe right out going into the bay and. Lance says, hey, man, somebody just dropped off. Do you want to host this thing? I'm like eight months into comedy, and I'm hosting Cobbs. And and I'm thinking in my head, hell no, I don't want to host this. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But then I'm like, this is Cobbs. Like, you have to. Yeah. So I went out there, and I figured it out. And, you know, like everybody else was loose, and I was running back and forth trying to figure out what I'm going to do, where's this comic at and this, that. But it it prepares you. Right, right. You know, um, and one thing too that I that I had to I I've had to t- tell myself over and over again in my head on the on the occasions that, that I am hosting something, and um, I heard Prince say once that whenever he made a mistake on stage, he just repeated it two times so it sounded like it was like something he meant to do. Yeah. And I realized that like when we're up there on stage and we realize that we said a name wrong or we like only we know that we made that mistake. You know, if we just push through our mistakes and just make yeah. the next hit better, like we, I think a lot of times we just sabotage ourselves. Like I see comics a lot of times do this is like when they'll do a joke that kind of falls flat instead of like pushing through into the next joke, they'll be like, oh, OK, that one's not working. <laughs> like they acknowledge that a joke didn't work. And sometimes it's funny when they do that. And then sometimes it just sits there. You just never know. Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying to opt for never, <laughs> for always trying, trying to push through that. Um, you've got a couple of shows coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Sacramento Comedy Spot seems like they've been really good to you with this diversity show. Yeah, it was something that was just a trial thing that we went for because honestly, my main goal was always to focus on comedy. It wasn't producing shows. Mm-hmm. But Robert Berry, I don't even ha- know how it came about. He just called me one night and was like, I got this opportunity. You want to do it? It was just one random night. And he said, you can put the show together. So I put the show together. He was on it. I don't even remember who else was on the show. Uh-huh. But after that, it went okay. But I mean, I knew it had to build, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing anyway, so we'll figure it out. So we just kept going, and I just kept having ideas, and then I added my girl Danielle to the mix as far as promoting or whatever, because at the time I'm working at Lexus, I got my own detail shop, and I'm doing comedy, and I'm trying to put this show together. I was like, I can't do all this. That's a lot. That's <laughs> so a luckily, lot. She, was happy. she came into the picture to help me do some things, you know, as far as promoting and or booking comics and just everything so I didn't get fired from my other job trying to do all this other work on the side. Yeah. Are you like me, like doing stuff on your break? Like the first thing on your break is checking your messages and and shooting emails to people. And 
Yeah, they like at work. They think I'm just being lazy or something. I'm over here talking to some booker in Orville. Like you don't want to know what I'm doing right now. That's great. That's great. Um, what's the What's the lineup for the next? Uh, so that's going to be uh, December the 14th at the Sacramento Comedy Spot. Yeah, and it seems to have a really solid lineup. Yeah, we got. Um, I'll be hosting. Then you have um, Antoine Johnson. He's doing a guest spot. And then we have um, Robert Amoto, Brooke Heineken. And then we have Kyrie Shabazz closing it out. Man, Robert Amoto. Let's talk about that guy for a second. He's just like a firecracker of energy. And um, I kind of like when I, I, I love when he kind of just goes off on his one little tangents. Um, he's, he's a lot of fun, isn't he? Yeah, I just like to I like to see the people's faces when they realize he's doing crowd work. Like, oh, God, don't talk to me. <laughs> Like, is my tie straight? Like, everybody tries, tries to get focused. Like, I don't want to mess up. I see this guy's looking for something. Yeah, I talked to so many people who, like, I said, you guys should, do you ever go to a comedy show? Like, oh, I don't want to go to a comedy show. I'd be embarrassed that somebody's going to say, I'm like, Robert Amoto is that comic. Yeah. He's that comic. And uh, Kyrie Shabazz is just riding a wave that is kind of endless right now. Like, he just keeps uh, going. I see him at so many open mics. You know, and he's just trying brand new material or some nights he doesn't even try material, but he's just sitting there studying people and and just giving people advice. He's a great guy. Yeah. No, Kyrie has a true love for it because Kyrie doesn't matter what level he's at. He will be in the grimiest spot doing open mics. He doesn't care. He's trying to work new jokes to get better. And yeah. that lets you know he could care less ego. None of that. He this guy was on the Tonight Show. And then the next night he's at Vince's doing open mics at 1030 <laughs> at night. Like he does yeah. not care. Uh, Ten thirty at night. <laughs> I, I I love Vince's. It's just like you never know how it's gonna go there. No, but it's always gonna be kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> I did not endorse what Jesse said. But you just gotta make the best of it. It's always gonna be like there's, but there's so many people there and there's so much fun to hang out with. No, but like it is like this is crazy. I've seen people fight. I've seen <laughs> a dog on stage. I was like, what's happening right now? Like it's just crazy. Oh man! And then if all else fails, you just get a slice of pizza. And so many inappropriate, offensive jokes for people that don't know what the hell they doing. Oh man! Uh, have you ever heard that that uh, the old guy uh, joke on you? I don't know. He's this old white guy. Kind of looks like Santa Claus, <laughs> and he's dirty as f. Oh my gosh! I had to go up after that guy the other night, and I just pretended to desanitize the microphone. I blessed it. <laughs> it's so much fun at Vince's. Yeah. Uh, uh, so so many of the mics are so much fun, and sometimes I forget. Do you, do you ever do you ever just kind of get caught up in the fun and forget that, that we're like we should be down there like taking notes and studying and. Uh yeah, I think most of the time my fun mostly comes when I'm doing my set and it's starting to go good and the crowd is slowly building. Then I still I see it myself like i start loosening up i can start getting into character because to be honest it's not my character at all to be on stage wanting everybody to look at me i'm always that guy in the back on the low so being up there is a totally different transition but once i start getting going then it starts loosening up and i can get the people what they really want and get out of my shell but that's that's when it's fun for me yeah i i try to explain to people a lot that like because like people will be like your friend's so quiet are you sure he's a comic <laughs> 
Yeah, they you swear know, I'm lying. Like, this yeah, guy, the, you work for a construction I'm company. Sure, but it's it's really it's only on stage that we enjoy having uh, be, being extroverted, and and all the rest of the time we're the we're kind of quiet and in the back of the room observing, right? Well, yeah, I think everybody has a picture of a comic basically being like Jim Carrey in Living Color, just yeah. loud, out of control. Everybody look at me, but all of us are different. We were raised different. All of us don't want all of the attention. We just like the craft of comedy. Yeah. But they have a perception of how we should act, and we always are just wild and look at me, everybody. I'm looking at them like, hey, man, sit your ass down. <laughs> so has comedy always kind of been a part of your life where you're just listening to, to CDs and tapes when you were growing up of, of, old, of old comics? or I would listen to... Um, I would listen to some, like I would listen to Martin, You So Crazy. But to be honest, I feel like most of my comedy background, and I never even thought about it until I got into comedy, mostly was sitcom TV. Really? Like, I was huge in the Sanford and Son. I loved Martin. But I watched all kind of shows. I used to watch Frasier. I used to watch Cheers, Empty Nest. I was a TV nerd. Really? I can tell you the Saturday lineup for NBC right now. <laughs> Amen, 227, Golden Girls, Empty Nest. I've watched a lot of TV. That is definitely hardcore sitcom <laughs> stuff right there. So like NBC Thursday nights. Yeah. That's interesting. So it wasn't it wasn't a stand up. It was it was just it was just comedy. Yeah, cuz I think now once I start breaking it down, a lot of my jokes are kind of structured like it's not like a bunch of one-liners. I just have something I put together kind of like a scene in a show cuz I want people to see what I'm talking about before I just go spitting out jokes. It's very descriptive and and now that you kind of like that you talk about like setting up a scene i really one of my favorite jokes of yours is when you talk about going to a raider game <laughs> and how you've never been so excited and so afraid at the same time yeah. and i really like that joke because so i grew up a denver broncos fan but i just enjoy watching people and i would always joke to people that like man one of these days I just want to dress up like one of those Raider fans. They go into the black circle and, yeah. and see what that's like. But I think after you told that joke, I kind of like got enough of a visual of what that's like. Yeah. But yeah, you really do set up a, a scene. You set up the parking lot. You set up the, you know, the, the day, the game. Yeah. yeah that, that's a really uh, solid joke. Yeah. So that, I think that's basically where a lot of my stuff came from. Cause even, but even growing up, my, um, my uncle's, they would always have us listen to like Amos and Andy. Like even if they didn't have TV access, they would always be listening to some kind of comedy or something. Mm -hmm. So you you grew up in the, you didn't grow up out here, right? No, I grew up in a small town called Salisbury, North Carolina. How small is it? Because I grew up in a small town. I'm talking three stoplights. <laughs> Not that small. Okay, we had a couple more. <laughs> I had like thirty thousand people in my hometown. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. that's a suburb. Kinda. It's it's um. It's one of those working class cities, like a small city where pretty much everybody in the city had factory jobs. I was going to say, did everybody work like at the at the one spot? Yeah, for some reason, it was huge textiles uh -huh. in, in Salisbury. So and they, so like that was the thing is like is like uh, get a job at the plant. Yeah. Get a job at the plant. Get yep. a job with benefits. That was just natural, like like graduating. Yeah. Graduate high school. Get your application to Cone Mill, uh, Fieldcrest Cannon, Food Lion. Uh -huh. Those are like the major places back then where that's just normal. That's what you do. That's that was that was successful. Yeah, that's. Well, it, that, I mean that that's Americana in some in some aspects, but it's sometimes in. Uh, we've seen where where towns get too big and they they just can't survive with those types of jobs anymore. Well, the thing with my hometown is 
all those places except two closed, which okay. turned the city upside down, and then then came the crime element. So it's not the same Salisbury it used to be growing mm-hmm. up. But that's a lot of places now because a lot of jobs left. So. Yeah. When did you leave Salisbury? Um, when did I leave? I've been out here twice in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. I came in. Uh, I came out here in 02, no, no, 04, 04, 05, and then I left in 06, came back in 07. Okay. So I've been here twice. Just because my boy Bobby Jackson, he played for the Kings. He yeah. played, yeah, he, um, he played out here, and I would come visit all the time. And uh-huh. then after a while, I was like, you know what? I actually like it out here. It really is. Like, had you visited other cities in California or only Sacramento? Not in California, but. Like when it was time to like when you were like like I need to get out of Salisbury was it definitely Sacramento or was it Sacramento or maybe another place that you had visited? No, if I be honest with you, I honestly felt like I was gonna go down that road of everybody else, graduate high school and get a job. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And all the cities I had went to before, because you know on the East Coast I would always I had family in New York, D.C., Atlanta, just everywhere and. Sacramento was the first place I went to where I was like, you know what? I think I might extend my stay. Most of the time I'm like, this is cool, but I want to get the hell out of here. Like Atlanta was fine, but I don't want to live here. Like uh-huh. this traffic is crazy and this is just not me. Yeah. But then when I came out here, I was like, this is cool. And I'm sure it helped to have a millionaire friend that had <laughs> money and access to whatever you wanted. Yeah. So it made nice. it. Yeah, so it, it helped, definitely helped with my decision. So, but at the same time, like growing up in my hometown, it's small, but I talk about sometimes the difference in race out here. Like, it was a small town, but my hometown was 67% white growing up. So, mm-hmm. it was totally different. Like, I tell my girl growing up, they did a thing where they did, like, relocating or whatever, where I went from a school that was seven miles away where I got shipped to a school that was 25 minutes away. And it was four black kids, including me. Oh, man. <laughs> that was balancing it out that, to bring four kids. Two boys, two girls. <laughs> and, they're like, and the other three were kids, like uh, kindergartners and like in the third grade. Like I was in the fifth grade at that time. So it was just me. Oh, man, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's pretty diverse out here. Yeah. Um, what do you um what do you have planned uh for for next year like the uh, 2019 seemed to go pretty good for you yeah um, are you are you happy with with what you accomplished in 2019 or was there something that you're like dang it i wanted to do this or no i i feel like i've met a accelerated rate if i have to be honest with it but right now like not many people even know but i think last week i officially was like i'm done so now I'm 100% focused on comedy. I was working at Lexus, and oh. I told them I'm out. I'm done. Okay. So now I'm 100% locked in. Like, I still have a I have a detail shop out here in Sacramento. Right, right. So I have that, but I control the schedule with that. Okay. But the 9 to 5 life, I'm done, and I'm 100% locked in. So hopefully next year is great for me because I'm about to – Put everything I got into this comedy and see where I can go with it. Was that as exciting as it is? Is this as exciting as it is scary? Yes. I'm not going to sit here in line and be like, yeah, I'm about to kill these stages. Yeah. Anything can happen. You don't know. But I know for a fact I couldn't live with myself. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with this job because it's safe. But you also know for a fact now that if somebody calls you next week and says, 
LA on a Thursday night. Yeah, I can go. You can go, and you don't have to worry about like let me. Yeah, hold on, let me get back to you. Yeah, (laughs) oh gosh, they're like somebody starts giving you a nice offer. You're like, oh, on a Wednesday? Yeah, nah. So like that, those barriers aren't going to be there for you. But just like next month, I'm doing my first weekend at Rooster Teeth Feathers. And I'm doing Thursday to Sunday. That definitely would have been a problem for me at my job. Like, they don't care about me getting my first thing at Rooster Teeth Feathers. Right. So, Rooster Teeth Feathers was welcome back, huh? Yeah. That's great. Are you excited? I'm sure you're excited about that. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a challenge, but it's going to be fun. Like I say, I have did it before, but, you know, getting a weekend down there is a big deal as far as moving up for a comic. Mm-hmm. So should be a fun time. Um, I booked a show. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was really excited uh, when I started reading the lineup to see that you're on it. So you and I are going to be on a show on December the 17th. Uh, it's called diversity hire and it's going to be at the callback bar. Yeah. And I believe it's, uh, it's me, you, Amy Estes is hosting Wendy Lewis, Melissa McGillicuddy, Mar- Miriam Masavi and Heather Rogier's. That's that's a pretty fun lineup. I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, and I know they they really trying to build a room with the callback bar, and they have like quality comics. So yeah, I, I, it should be a fun show. And that's like that one's also bar. that one's a free show. Mm-hmm. At the have you done the callback bar yet? Yeah, I did. Maybe the first one. I think okay. it was like a soft opening. No, I didn't do that. I did the second one. But yeah, I've, I've did it. I think I did it twice. Nice, yeah. nice. It'll be my first time at the callback bar, so I'm super excited about it. Yeah. Right it was, on. Yeah, it was cool. Like, the first grand opening. Did you come up there when they had it? No. Like, every comic was in there that night. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, get, I get claustrophobic sometimes, <laughs> and uh, I, I had, I had uh, like, walked by there and seen, like, how small it is, but it's great, but I knew everybody was going to be there that night, you know? Yeah. It was a fun night, though, because, you know, a lot of comics maybe you hadn't seen or us all being in the same room at the same time never happens. Yeah, that's true. So it was true. a lot of talking and, you know, how's, how's it been going? And probably I know probably a lot of people got stage time off of that. I was going to say, it's probably a lot of networking going on there that night. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So what else you got You got planned for, for 2020? Um, I don't know. Honestly, I, uh, me and my girl were talking, and basically – I got a lot of jokes that I need to finish or premise. So the next couple months, I'm just going to be writing and working stuff out. Just to try to put it in a complete project. And then after that, I'm just trying to go out and crush as much as possible. Do you, do you try to write? So like, what, what's your process? Do you try to write every day or you try to write in the morning or do you just, whenever an idea strikes you? Little- I try to write or something a little bit every day, but honestly, sometimes it just has to hit me. Like, sometimes I can just have a day, and I might think some stuff or whatever, but it's just not flowing. And then sometimes, like, my girl can attest. I could be just be in the kitchen making cereal or something, and then I need a piece of paper. Uh-huh. Like, I have to go. Like, I know this is funny. It's happened a couple of times where I was like, I'm, I need a piece of paper because I know this is funny. And I did it. Like, I don't know if you ever heard my Trump joke. But I talk about him shooting paper towel to everybody. Like, <laughs> when they were in uh, Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. I'm like, why the fuck did they need paper towel? And I thought about that when I'm in the kitchen. I was like, I need a pen right now. Like, <laughs> like I need to write this, and we'll figure out everything else then. Right. But, yeah, I try to – I listen to a podcast, and I, I listen to Seinfeld, and he said that he likes to try to write every day. He said once you do that, like, try to get it structured enough where you have it at a certain time, and then your brain starts locking in. This is creativity time, creativity time. 
So I'm going to give that a try to see if that'll lock in because that would be great. Like, you know, every day to write something and you don't have to just have spur of the moment. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. I listen to, to so many podcasts too, and so many of them have like a, a routine of like a cup of coffee and like pen to paper and just in that. Some of them say that even if it's not a joke, that they're just writing their thoughts and then they go back and like look at it and then they can extract an idea from like, oh, why was I talking about that this morning? Like it's in my brain. Yeah. So um, that's great, man. Dude, I'm I'm excited that, that you're taking this step of making comedy full time. And uh, I think it's like right at the perfect time for you. You know, you, you've got some great experiences under your belt and like. And I think like you're 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 ready to take that that next big step, and I'm really excited to to see what to see how this goes. Yeah, like I say, it, I'm not gonna sit here and sugarcoat it. Yeah, it is scary. No, it's got to be scary. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I couldn't. I know for a fact I couldn't live with myself if I didn't take the chance. Like it would bother me mentally. Like, yeah. Why don't you just find out? Yeah. It's not like this. This Lexus job is not like I'm a. a the lead guy at IBM, the CFO, like I'm just, like I'm a detailer at Lexus. I right. can find another job. Right. It gets it gets down to like I'm sure you've seen that meme where it's like, you know, um are are you if you're working a nine to five, you're helping somebody else like finish their dream instead of yeah. like, working on your own, right? And another thing with me, and it's probably why I ended up leaving Salisbury, I just don't have it's something in my brain for people telling me what to do does not work for me. I've analyzed myself and been like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why can't you just listen to what this person says? But I don't have it. I don't want you telling me what to do. I don't like it. I'm sorry. I've tried for 39 years. It's not in me. Somebody telling me to do their bidding doesn't work for me. Right on. So now it's it's time for you to do your own. (laughs) Yeah. Man, Marcus, I wish you the best of luck in that. Thanks for coming by this morning and uh, taking the time to, to just sit and chat with me. I know it's the holidays. And I hope you had a great holiday, and I hope you continue to to have uh, the end of the year finishes out for you. And, and good luck to you next year, man. No problem, man. And I appreciate you putting me on the show because, hey, I could have been at home watching 30-something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm sitting here at a podcast talking to you, and hey, I appreciate you, man. And I appreciate you putting in work because I appreciate people that appreciate comedy. Not yeah. just do it for show. Yeah, and I no. see you're putting in work and you're slowly building your thing, and that's what it takes to get to another level. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank All right. you, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Take care. Hey, man. That's the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you laughed a little bit. I hope you learned a little bit. I hope you come back. Peace. Take care of one another.